Pod save the Queen! Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the Queen. I'm your host, Anne Gripper. We have a different lineup again this week. Um, just me and Zoe in the office, our lifestyle editor, uh, Zoe Forsey. I've actually got your title right this week, right? The first time I think ever. I'm very sorry for all of the times that I've totally forgotten. I it's all right. Your exciting, exciting job. I quite like just being, you know, writes lots of online content. Online writer extraordinaire, yeah. I think, is one I've probably yeah, used in the past. And then a, um, a bit later... We are going to be hearing from Catherine Davis, the Head of Remembrance at the Royal British Legion, about the um, the commemorations that are coming up and the Royal Family's role in them. Yes, it's a huge, huge week of events coming up, isn't there? So. Huge, huge week of events. But first of all, we wanted to talk about... Um, Something that well, it's you've had the book for very, about, very exciting. Well, it was very exciting. Um, so the book by Angela Kelly, LVO, is that Loyal Victorian Order? Is that, I think that's her title, which is you know pretty special because she is the Queen's most trusted, most trusted right hand woman, person, trusted, friend, advisor, friend, yeah, confidant. You know, all dresser. Yes, I mean, yes, that's the. I mean, there's not many people that will have seen the Queen in the nud, but. <laughs> With no clothes on. Sorry, that's my that's my. She makes a thing of saying that the Queen actually dresses herself because I know that in the Crown and lots of other programs like that, you always see her kind of being put into outfits. But it is one of the points that she says of even though she's technically a dresser, she's not technically aggressive. Yeah, a dresser. (laughs) It's not like the Queen's being lazy and making her put the clothes (laughs) on her. Which I think actually, you know, that is kind of sometimes the kind of sort of stereotype perception of. um, perception of of the royals. Although I have to say, I'm not averse to getting the husband to do my zips up yep. sometimes. <laughs> those awkward ones where you're just like, oh, I can't quite reach it. So having a professional dresser would actually yes. be quite useful. No, definitely, I completely agree. But um, no, so it's the other side of the coin, and it is absolutely brilliant. I love it. It's a beautiful book. It's really well put together. It looks gorgeous. There's some fantastic photos in there, um, and loads of really nice stories about kind of Angela's relationship with the Queen, lots of funny cute stories about things that have gone or things that have kind of got a bit wrong, should we say, in tour and how they've kind of sorted it out. And yeah, it's really nice actually. It's a really kind of nice behind the scenes book and it gives a really nice insight into the royal family. Um so one of our um fans on uh Instagram, uh Instagram.com slash pod save if you aren't hanging out with us over there already. It's been great to have so many new people come over and join us. Particularly last week enjoyed hearing where um loads of people were from um yes. all over the place. Must say congratulations to our South African listeners um for their triumph in the rugby world cup at the weekend. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm so still not quite <laughs> well Oh, come on, it's a be- it's a better it's a better story. Like, oh, it yeah, means a lot definitely. to South Africa. The pictures of um, Prince Harry hugging the president after South Africa had won. The president yeah, wearing the was, yeah, iconic was. number six jersey previously worn by Nelson Mandela, Mandela, first black captain of any country to lift yeah. the World Cup. I mean, you know, the romantic. The romantic. Maybe it's just because I'm married to a Welshman and he'd yeah. be furious <laughs> if England did one and I'd have had a miserable weekend. But um, Yeah, so I did go back and watch it all. I must admit that when it all happened, I did turn the telly off quite quickly afterwards. Oh dear. I just sat there. Well, we watched it in the pub um, and, yeah, turned the TV off immediately after. But I did go back that evening and was like, oh, I'll go and watch the... <laughs> and it was very nice, but... Yeah, so Prince, you know, Prince, ha- <laughs> Prince Harry had flown out there. He was disappointed, um, and but he, you know, started out. He, he sent a really nice message actually as well. And obviously, them having been, um, he and Meghan having been in South Africa. Yes, definitely. So he recently, sent a little photo of Archie wearing his England shirt as well to the team, which was quite cute. Uh, one of the players mentioned it in a 
in a press conference, which I thought was very sweet. He's obviously very excited and very proud. Yeah, Harry is a massive, massive fan of the rugby. It's just a shame that Wales couldn't have got there yeah. too, because then, you know, Harry and William could have had their had had friendly brotherly rivalry. <laughs> Not not angry brotherly brotherly rivalry, but just that coming together that you get through sport, which is which is fun. So anyway, congratulations to South Africa. We hope that our South African listeners did enjoy the rugby because Zoe clearly yeah. <laughs> Zoe clearly didn't. But um, in yes. better news, she did definitely Back enjoy. And yeah. oh, you know, the whole reason I mentioned the Instagram in the first place was because um, one of our followers, uh, Natalia Lizieri. Sorry if I've said your name wrong, but thank you very much for um, for messaging on there. She said, um, "Is it possible to interview Mrs. Kelly? Do it pretty, please." And <laughs> we obviously would have loved to yeah. have managed to do that. And we did ask. I did try. I'm sorry. I've let you down. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. I mean, it's a big deal to be able to write a book about the Queen. And then yeah. to go and be able to talk about it would be a whole other level of probably... Yeah, so it is, I think kind of the, a few people haven't realised kind of how much of a big deal this is because there are obviously lots of books written about the royal families, lots of kind of, um, you know, books claiming to be behind the scenes and things like this. But this is... The Queen has only given... This is the only time or to Angela. Is this... She's the only person. Yes, sorry, I got my words in a muddle then. Um, Angela's the only person the Queen's ever kind of given the okay to write a book like this which is a massive thing in itself um and especially so she's this is her second book she did a uh, previous book called dressing the queen the jubilee wardrobe which everyone was very excited about it was obviously a few years ago um but it wasn't quite as personal as this one is um in fact actually at the time a pal- palace spokesman um or someone at the palace just described it as it's just a book about dresses but this is very different this is very kind of their relationship and you learn a lot about the queen and her kind of funny sense of humor and they've obviously got a really lovely relationship which I've kind of talked about a bit but yeah so normally just as like staff who work at the royal family have to sign the official secrets act which mean that they can't talk about anything like this so that's why it's such a huge deal that Angela's been given this permission it's the actual official secrets act it's not even like a non-disclosure agreement yeah, so like an actual proper you know like if we were in a business and you know we want some people to look at I don't know some of our contracts or some of our our statistics and we don't want them to tell anybody we just get them to sign like a bog standard non-disclosure agreement or mm. um and uh, yeah, but Official Secrets Act, yeah, that's like, like a massive deal. Proper, proper. But maybe it makes sense because I think if you break this Official Secrets Act, is that treason? And if it's the Queen making you do it, then probably breaking the Queen's rules would always be treason. I don't know. Yeah. All of this, we we'll have, we'll have to get a, like a big head judge in to, <laughs> to tell us all the ways we could get into trouble. But anyway, anyway, I've had chocolate just before recording this and I think it's, yeah. I'm, I'm on a sugar high. I like that. Always, always. So is it a coffee table book? Is it like a coffee table book that you kind of just sit and thumb yes. through and it looks pretty? Or is it like a, a readable, yes, take it to bed book? It's lots of kind of each story. I really like the way it's led out and it's been really nice for me to read because it's kind of, you know, three or four pages telling different stories. Um, you know, so it's quite easy. You can pick up, put it down. It's, it's not like a big, you know, huge, you know, 30-page chapter. It's or not detail. war and it's, peace. Yeah, no, <laughs> which is really nice. But... Um, so she just kind of starts off by telling about her relationship with the Queen and how she got into it. So Angela has worked with the Queen for 25 years. Um, she actually first met the Queen in 1992 when she was working as a housekeeper uh, for the British ambassador to Germany. Um, and they actually had a royal visit. So the Queen and Prince Philip came to stay and she says in there how excited she was. She never thought she'd get to do anything like this. She was working as a housekeeper at the time. Um, and so they, at the like, right at the end of the visit, they were introduced, you know, all the 
staff were introduced to her and so she was very excited and she was presented with a, a little gift um and the queen while chatting to Angela said oh so who's coming to stay next and Angela said oh I'm, I'm really sorry I'm not allowed to tell you that um, <laughs> to which Philip um kind of interrupted and went I'm sure you can tell the queen this and Angela went no I'm sorry I've I've signed a I've signed an agreement saying I won't do it so it's that kind of I would imagine that very early level of saying I'm really sorry I don't care who you are but I've you know I'm well it's 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 two yeah it's two levels isn't it there's 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 number one I'm prepared to say no to the queen yes and that's a terrifying thing to do (laughs) (laughs) am I gonna have this moment oh I get to meet the queen oh my goodness I've got to tell her no yeah Um, (laughs) so she but also she will follow that agreement she will not break it you can she's a person to be to be trusted trusted yeah and she said she even um offered when she had this chat and she said there was a bit of an awkward moment of she said to them do you want the gift you've just given me back because i've just done this and the queen kind of went no (laughs) so i think it's thing and then and what's really nice actually she mentions it in the book she said that um angela said afterwards like this is a moment said to the queen this is a moment i'll remember for my whole life and the queen turned to her and said so will i so i think she obviously kind of knew and then the queen later on approached her team and asked her to if she'd ever consider working at Buckingham Palace so it was one of those moments of Angela's life changed forever within that space of a kind of I'm assuming quite a short conversation because you know she's not her kind of her her background isn't necessarily what you would expect of yeah, somebody no, who, to so be the, a close confidant of the queen no not at all so she's um from Liverpool um she was obviously working um over um yeah, so she was working over in Germany at the time. So it was a completely not, you know, didn't follow what we might assume is a kind of normal... Kind of someone who's been to finishing school or yeah, whatever. Exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. Had, had a really kind of... Um, what's the word not establishment like quite elite yeah. progression through life like society yes exactly and she says actually that she used to be really worried about her accent um especially when being around the queen and other people who obviously speak very kind of you know well queen's english um but so she used to be really worried about how she pronounced things because um liverpool has a very very strong accent um and she said to the queen oh you know will you help me we think and she just said no like be yourself yeah exactly which she said that she's kind of stuck to ever since which I think is really lovely as well so do you get a sense of what the queen is like as a person through Angela Kelly so what what's your impressions of what the queen is like as a person we always hear lots of stories about how she's kind of quite you know funny and has this great sense of humor um, and there's lots of that that comes through and one of my favorite bits actually from the book um is that she um, Angela admits that one of her favourite moments always is the opening of State Parliament, which we've obviously discussed quite a lot in the last couple of weeks. We had one recently, now we've got a general election, so we'll get to have another one again, probably just after Christmas. Yes. I think. Maybe oh. we'll squeeze it in before and yeah. wreck the Queen's plans. Anyway, but we'll yes. try not to bring the politics into it Yes, too that's much. Our, that was our one politics mention yes. that we could yeah, we've done. Yeah. <laughs> we've not got to the weather yet, but we've done the politics. Yes, so she said that this is the moment that always kind of, because this is when we see, you know, the queen wears well we didn't this time but normally she wears the state crown it's a huge um event and she says there's been a few times over the years where kind of this moment has really hit Angela and she's had like a bit of an emotional moment when she's been doing the finishing touches um and you know she says says that she's kind of gets a bit overcome with how proud and how honored she feels I think quite a lot of people would be in that situation um and had a tear in her eye and said that the queen once um rolls her eyes and playfully tuts at her for her reaction to it (laughs) you're describing it like that it's kind of reminding me almost of you know like 
um, a proud mum yeah. or a proud dad <laughs> on a wedding day and then that you know their daughter's there looking the most beautiful in this amazing dress and yeah, she's, like, she's going on, off to do something it. really important and yeah. he's just like oh goodness yeah <laughs> but, but doing it repeatedly yeah doing exactly. it a number of times over the years and obviously the you know she will have seen she would have seen the queen age yeah, realistically exactly. i'm trying to i'm trying to do math what's that 30 more than over 30 years that they've spent in they've known each other so 1992 if they first they first yeah met. well that's when they first met she's been working for her for 25 years so there was obviously a gap in between the you know awkward now I'm not telling you the secrets moment and, <laughs> and the first job but she's had lots of different roles there since so she started off as kind of a senior um she was a senior dresser she's been an advisor and now she's an in-house designer there so she's had lots of lots of different different elements yeah. and they must just you know I, I've just got this this impression that the two of them must get on like a house on fire and you know like actually you know if you are the queen who is your best friend exactly well that's the thing if they do seem to have a really friendly relationship which I imagine the queen doesn't have I don't know but you wouldn't have thought there aren't people that come in she can't just kind of you know pop out to an event and just get chatting to whoever she talks to everyone is always very much on their best behavior making sure they say the right thing um and that but they don't seem to have that relationship at all and I think Angela um mentions quite a few pranks she's played on the queen oh um before Brave. this is another one I'm not just going to sit here and tell stories from the book all day I promise even though I probably could um but this one I really do like so she um Although it's going to test my pronunciation, so I'm going to have to need your... What's your knowledge of Australian birds? Oh, well, I'm, I don't think... I, I'm not David Attenborough. <laughs> we'll try. I, do, I mean, we'll I, used to, I used to watch Neighbours. They, they had a they had a galah, I think. Oh. Is it that? Is no. It? no. <laughs> um, Cockatoo? No. With the yellow hair? No. no. I, I, might be, I might be out of Australian birds now. Yeah. We'll, have to, we'll have to see. Mm. Well... We'll see how we do. If not, okay. we might just have to. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to ask our Australian listeners yeah. to uh, send us a little voice memo. Yeah, oh gosh, yeah, we do apologise. Um, but yes, it was in when they went to Australia they, on a royal tour in 2006. Um, the Queen wanted, when she was there, she said she really wanted to see a kookaburra bird? Kookaburra. Kookaburra. A kookaburra, I think. because So I think I probably also know that because they make cricket bats and hockey sticks. Oh, of course, yeah. As well as as well as being birds, yeah, the kookaburra. Well, there we go. Well, she always wanted to see a kookaburra bird, so they didn't have much luck when they were there. But on one day when the queen was out doing queenly things, things yeah. um, Angela popped out to a local market and saw a cuddly toy version of one. So she bought it um, and then went back to where they were all staying and um, said that she went out onto the balcony and popped the toy in a like little cage that was there, and then kind of went back inside again and was. Just carrying on as normal. Feeling slightly pleased with herself, wondering yeah. when this prank is going to And then said to, to the Queen, this. oh, there's a funny looking grey bird out there. And apparently the Queen looked outside, was really excited and said, oh my gosh, it's, <laughs> it's one of them really thing. So Angela went over to the cage doors and the Queen shouted loudly, no, don't do that, it will fly away. And kind of ran after her and was like, what are you doing? Um, and then Angela, it's actually really quite mean. Um, <laughs> but Angela turned round to the Queen and whilst keeping a straight face went oh, I'm really sorry but it's dead oh god um, and she says that the queen looked horrified understandably and then Angela put her out of her misery and walked towards her with outstretched arms and said April Fool's <laughs> <laughs> so it's really harsh but the queen's response <laughs> is brilliant and um, please said, tell me she picks up the cuddly toy and throws it <laughs> at Angela <laughs> she says um she uh she basically turned around and said you're sacked <laughs> 
<laughs> and then um, I think Philip came in and she repeated the whole story and said, you know what she's just done to me? She's completely had me. Um, but she said that Angela was just uncontrollably laughing, <laughs> just not having any of it. There wasn't that moment of panic of, oh gosh, I've just been thing. But apparently she kept the toy though and it now lives on the sofa at Windsor Castle. Oh, I bet George loves it when he yeah, goes over there. Yeah, exactly. So I think, yeah, like little moments like that, which must be very nice for them to have. And do you get a sense of um, Angela as a person as well? Or do you, or do you, is it, does it reflect more on, on the Queen, do you feel? No, I think you, Angela talks about, she shares a lot of kind of the amazing things she's got to do. Obviously, she's travelled the world with this job um, and she's very, you know, you can tell she's very honoured and very, very grateful of all the opportunities she's been done. Um, she sounds, she sounds amazing. She's always kind of bang on it she's always thinking about all the possible outcomes and uh, there's a lot of lot of moments where she's really saved the day by the sounds of it and there was an um another incident with the pope uh, when they went to visit the pope um and she all the queen's advisors said oh you know you can wear a day dress and and is from a catholic background she said no you can't you have to if you're going to meet the pope you have to wear very formal black outfit um, and she had a big row with the advisors on it she was going to the queen and saying I'm really sorry it's not this but her advisors were saying no and they had this big thing so Angela actually came up with a secret plan she got one of the queen's old outfits out um, asked another member of staff if they could make an exact copy in navy and in black but got the makers to send the invoice to her directly personally so it, you know no one would know because she obviously didn't want to look like she was kind of Going against going against else. everything, yeah. but also knowing that this moment was going to arise when they were on tour, um, which it did. She said that she was on the morning they were going to meet the Pope. There was this, you know, crying, you know, screaming coming down the corridor of someone calling for her, saying, "Do we have a black outfit? Do we have a black outfit?" And she did have a bit of fun with it, though. She said, "No, I'm sorry, we don't. Like, you know, we don't have one." And then she went and met the Queen, and the Queen was, understandably, I think she doesn't say this, but you, you know possibly a tad nervous at this point and she then chose that moment to be awesome. like oh I don't worry I've, I've, <laughs> I've got, I've got, I've I've got, got your back yeah so there's lots of these little moments where she's really on it seems to be you know knows exactly what she's doing but she's obviously a very well, just we all know how talented she is just looking from the queen's you know looking at what the queen wears she always looks incredible um but kind of very organized very very clever um it sounds yeah, it's like, I mean it sounds like it's a does she get any? Ho- do, do you get a sense whether she get takes actually takes holiday, or is it like a way of life? Is she essentially part of the family, part of the furniture, and she is she is there, and it's almost not like a form- formal job. I don't know whether I mean it's yeah, not. Do yeah. you know what I mean? I, it, that's you know it be. I, I mean she must she must take time off to go yeah. see people, but it's it must just be a difficult yeah, thing not to just live. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and there's so much that they do, like they kind of hundreds of outfits over a year. And it's not obviously it's not just the it's not just the coat, it's the you know, the dress, the shoes, the um there's a brilliant picture of all the umbrellas of all the colours lined up, you know, the hats, all of this, um, and the jewellery as well. So she kind of looks after that side of it too. Um so yeah, it's obviously very, very full on, but I think she she sounds amazing and it sounds like the Queen is very, very lucky to have her. Well, today the Queen was wearing purple, looking yes. absolutely regal. Actually, quite like the uh, purple of my chocolate bar wrapper. Oh, yeah. I'm not nice. still reminiscing <laughs> about the chocolate. And, and the Queen had pom poms on her hat, she, and she looked yes. she looked um, stunning. Actually, mm. arriving for one of the um, the start of the um, remembrance things. Yes. Um, one thing actually that has come out of the book, which 
I think it's from the book that is interesting is the Queen no longer wearing fur. Uh, yes. Uh, so it's kind of, it wasn't made a big deal of in the book. It was just kind of mentioned very briefly. There's one line about it, but um, Angela basically says that from 2019, um, the Queen will be wearing, won't be wearing real fur. So she, this is one of these subjects that always causes a lot of, a lot of discussion and upsets a lot of people every time she mm. wears it. So she doesn't tend to wear, she's got a few very long uh, brown coats, which she wears, um, she'll, she wears them at Christmas, but she doesn't wear them to like the official when she goes, but the royals go to like a private church service before. So she tends, she's worn them to that at least, well, at least twice in the last mm you know kind the, of few the time years. that you have been watching the royals yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes it always causes a lot of upset but Angela does say in the book she says um if her majesty is due to attend any engagement in particularly cold weather from 2019 onwards fake fur will be used to make sure she stays warm so I think I, f- I find it really interesting so I'm like you know I I have I have a problem I do have a problem with fur mm. and I have a problem with new fur and on the catwalk and all that kind of thing but I I don't know, I find I'm weird about vintage fur, vintage, mm. you know, I don't, um, or kind of, you know, heir, heirloom fur that, you know, people might have inherited from their grandmother yeah. or has been in the family for years and years and years. Yeah, and, and that this is what I think the argument is with the royals of, you know, she's not going out and buying a new fur coat. It's the same one that she's had. Gosh, she's been wearing it since, well, many of them, I think she's been wearing since the 60s, the same pieces. So it's not new, but it's still, I think that the, issue that most people have and I have myself is that it's more kind of it's not promoting it as such but it it sends a message that it's still okay it's still making it it's making it fashionable like you know it's saying that it's you know something to kind of almost aspire to like the queen's wearing it and things like that so I think that's the line that a lot of campaigners um, and a lot of charities take real issue with so obviously lots of happy people when this was kind of picked up yesterday and I mean fair, fair play to the queen at the age of 93 93 now and you know to to be willing to change Mm. something that you know has she has been doing it for years and years and years like she is the queen why should she change arguably um but actually she does want to set that example and um you know i want i wonder whether her grandchildren have had a word you know (laughs) granny granny, i think (laughs) granny i'm not sure about this coat it's time to yeah yeah, mm, and um but yeah i just i guess i find it weird because like the animals are already dead from like decades ago Mm. that's that's always my my weird thing but and then yeah but it's i think i think she has made the right decision and we can look forward to seeing the outfits at sandringham over christmas yes um, definitely without without worrying too much about whether they are because quite often we see you know the younger royals with like little furry style pom-poms on their hats and it's like is it fur or is it not and it's really difficult to tell but most of the designers tend to do two versions where people can choose no definitely quite often um so yes we've seen the queen today today wednesday as we're recording this um in Aylesford um, at a Royal British Legion village um, providing accommodation for veterans so she was planting a, a time capsule and this kind of thing so that's all quite nice and we're going to see various well, I mean we're going to see a lot of royalty yes, over the next few it's days. It's always a very busy uh, weekend for the royal family they're always very involved in these events and this year will be no different so so um, starting tomorrow yeah starting tomorrow Megan. run us through the diary in yep. Russell's absence. Okay yeah oh here we go big Pressure. big yeah <laughs> I feel like I want to do like a kind of um you know, like six o'clock news music <laughs> for like Zoe reading the headlines. Oh here we go right so tomorrow um no sorry I tell a lie Thursday 
So it'll be today, today. when people are listening to yep. this. I mean, Russell's not here and we're still tr- struggling with the space-time continuum. Yeah, I could, that was my moment to shine then. That I could have got um, that. <laughs> anyway, so today, uh, so we've got Megan, Harry and Camilla are going to the Field of Remembrance. So Harry goes to this every year, but it's Megan and Camilla's first time there. So that would be really nice. Uh, Camilla's involved. She's actually a patron of the Poppy Factory, uh, which makes all the poppies that we all wear um, at this time of year. So that would be really nice and a really event f- nice event for her. And then Saturday um, and Sunday, they're all, you know, the whole the whole gang are out. So we've got the Queen, Charles, Camilla, Kate, Megan, Harry, William, Andrew, Sophie, Edward, Anne, and other members of the royal family. So a huge yeah. collection. Yeah, so um, it is the Festival of Remembrance at the Royal Albert Hall on Saturday. And then on Sunday is the big kind of traditional minute silence, the huge kind of London event. The service at the Cenotaph yes. with the Queen, um, no longer no longer laser no. wreath. Yep, so Charles will be doing it on her behalf again and the Queen will watch from the balcony, which we've seen in the last couple of years. And it is always a, it is always a really um, special weekend. I mean, we're so used to seeing the royal family most of the time being quite happy, happy occasions, interacting with people. But um, there's very kind of sort of dignified special um period of remembrance over the weekend and because it is such a big part of the royal calendar we thought it would be good to um talk to somebody who is very much involved in that in that period of remembrance so we got in touch with the royal british legion um and i hope you'll enjoy hearing uh, finding out a little bit more about it all so we have jumped through time from talking to Zoe on Wednesday afternoon. It is now Thursday morning and I am delighted to be joined by the Royal British Legion's Head of Remembrance, Catherine Davis, on what I'm sure is a very, very busy week with all of the services and events going on over um, through this week and this weekend. So Catherine, welcome to Pod Save the Queen. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's lovely to be here. It is a very busy week, but a very um, exciting week for us. And um, we're very much now focused on getting ready for the weekend and um, the Festival of Remembrance on Saturday and the march past of the Cenotaph on Sunday. So, I mean, I guess the the clue is in the name, really. You are the Royal British Legion. The Royal family very much are part of your work. They're part of the remembrance that happens every year. Um, How important is it that the the Royal family are part of what, what you do? So they are incredibly important. Um, as, as a charity, we are, as you know, the Royal British Legion, and we are honoured to have the Queen as our patron. And one of our charitable remits is that we are the national UK champion of remembrance. So we work to ensure that um, the service and sacrifice of our armed forces is remembered and acknowledged by the UK population uh, over the remembrance weekend. But this is led by the Queen and the Royal Family, who are obviously the head of the armed forces, and who themselves, who um, have all been and worked either actively in the armed forces or hold titles in the armed forces. So they have a great understanding um, and and love and appreciation of the service and sacrifice of our armed forces. And I think that is um, reciprocated by the armed forces. And so they send an incredibly important message of why and how to remember, and that this is something that, as a state and as a country, we need to do um, together, um, which is, I think, 
something that is quite uniquely British, but one of the things that makes me very proud to be British and something that is really important to do, just taking that time to acknowledge what other people are doing on our behalf and, and showing some appreciation and support for that. We must say get well soon to the Duchess of Cornwall. Camilla was due to join um, Harry, and, uh, Harry and Meghan at the opening of the Field of Remembrance at, um, at Westminster Abbey today, but doctors have advised her to stay at home because of a chest infection. And, you know, the kind of... This, these are events which the royals have a real feeling of duty towards. So I'm sure, you know, she would not have cancelled lightly. So I'm sure she's feeling pretty grotty. So um, very much get well, get well soon to her. And, you know, we saw the Queen yesterday at the Royal British Legion Village in Aylesford, um, where there's accommodation for, for veterans. So she was planting a, a time capsule. And then Harry and Meghan, they made a, a private visit to um, Broom Farm Community Centre, chatting with families from the Welsh Guards, Coldstream Guards and Household Cavalry about what army life is really like. So that visit is kind of about, I guess, about the the ongoing service of our um, of our troops and that it's we have to remember the past. But then there are also current people who are, you know, going to represent represent our country and our needs and be prepared to defend us and put their put their lives on the line essentially if necessary so and we will you know we will see them over the course of the weekend at, at various other events the festival of remembrance um at the royal abbott hall on saturday night the cenotaph on on sunday i mean they are such a a core part of of this weekend aren't they 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 absolutely are. I mean, there's so much that you said there. Um, I, I, we also send our very best wishes to the um, to Camilla and hope she's better soon. Um, I had the privilege of being in Bayer for the 75th anniversary of D-Day commemorations, and uh, we had an enormous marquee for our veterans um, after the service and. I was completely blown away by the amount of time that um, the Prince of Wales and the Duchess of Cornwall spent with each and every veteran in that room. And to see these faces light up with just just pride, it was it was they don't want th thanks, but they, the, the acknowledgement that what they did contributed and made the difference is something I think that is always important for people and they just gave that to each and every person and made them feel like I think for a, like a prince just a special person just for one moment and they must have been in that marquee for two to three hours and I have never seen and it was not there were some photographs but this wasn't for the public this was for the veterans this was for that community and this was just them doing something that they feel strongly about this wasn't you know it was it was extraordinary to see and, and something that um really touched me and when when we were talking about sort of that royal family involvement in remembrance just really exemplified how important they feel it is as as much as we do and the royal, I mean, the royal family, you know, you said that the Queen is obviously head of the armed, armed forces and uh, we are, I guess we're familiar in various ways with the royal family's role in, you know, certainly during World War II. Um, I'm much more familiar with that, in all honesty, than I am with their role in, in World War One. So, you know, through things like the film of the King's Speech and how that was that was all kind of playing in and the importance of him being able to give a message to his people at such a, a difficult time. And then the Queen um, serving during during the war, you know, being able to strip down an engine and all of the all of the things that she did. She is 
you know she is she is a figurehead for the royal family but she has that really direct connection to that time as well absolutely but so do her sons prince andrew was um involved with the falklands and so do her grandchildren you know prince william and prince harry served and prince harry was out in afghanistan so it's not something that has stayed in the past it's something that as a family they are very committed to and has come through the generations so each of them stands there you know with that knowledge and understanding um and have have spoken about it the service and 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 how that affected them and um, what they think about it. So they have a strong affinity to it, which I think um, is really important because before I joined the Royal British Legion, you know, you don't always think about some of these these elements and some of the the consequences of service. And one of the things that um, I work with is the bereaved family associations, so the uh, the war widows and the um, the army widows, so the the, the service associations, and just talking to these people um, and these women and understanding um, the consequences on that broader community, on the family of loss or of service. So, you know, if somebody's overseas for six months, that that worry and concern that the, the, the family will have, it's, it's very different from me toddling into the office every day. And this is why it's so much about that service and sacrifice and that community. What they sign up to is is a much bigger ask than than an office job and i think and is done on our behalf and i think the royal family and we as the royal british legion really understand that and it's just important that we try to uh, communicate that as broadly as possible so that when we do remember we have that understanding of what we're remembering and why we're remembering it and can you tell me a little bit about how um kind of the background i guess of the Royal British Legion and the Royal Family becoming such a part of your work and and the very special events that you um, put together over the course of Remembrance Weekend each year. Well, certainly. So, so sort of modern Remembrance and the Royal British Legion all came really from the grassroots up, but out of the devastation of the First World War. Um, we celebrate our centenary next year. In, in um, We started in 1921 and we celebrate our centenary in 2021. Um, in um, 1919, there was a wooden cenotaph created at the cenotaph where it is today. And the King um, George V unveiled this on Armistice Day in 1920. So it will be the centenary of that next year. So there has been that royal connection with the cenotaph from the very first um, march past in 1920. The first festival of uh, remembrance, which was a bit of a sing-along, um, started in 1923 and um, had a royal presence even from those days from uh, the then Prince of Wales, who became known later as the Duke of Windsor. Uh, the Queen has attended a Festival of Remembrance uh, throughout her reign, and we believe there's only two performances, one of which was uh, literally just before Prince Charles's birth, and the second was when she was on a royal tour to South Africa. So they have a huge commitment to it as well. Um, and actually, the two-minute silence um, was instigated by George V, um, and he, King George V was the first one to ask the public to reflect um, and find a brief space for two minutes 
1919, and this year we, we commemorate the centenary of the two-minute silence. So uh, you mentioning the Queen um, missing the one of the one of the times she rarely missed uh, was because she was on a royal tour, but. Um, the it's very noticeable that any time that the royals go abroad they do tend to go to a um a a war memorial they will lay a wreath of poppies they will have that moment of of reflection and respect for the contribution of of our allies to you know to the to the two great wars that were fought in the 20th century and that's absolutely right. And, and our theme of um, the festival this year, Remember Together, is very much about um, the contributions that we didn't, as Britain stands alone in the Second World War. Um, Britain itself had an army of five million, but we had an amassed an army from across the Commonwealth of 6.5 million um, soldiers. 2.5 million came from pre-partition India. So the contributions from across the Commonwealth to those significant battles of 1944 that turned the tide of the Second World War are, are huge. And we feel it's really important that we acknowledge all of those contributions as well. Um, and, and as you've already alluded to, the, the royal family holds the, the Commonwealth uh, in very high esteem. It's, it's something that's very important to them too. And we feel that it's very important for us to be acknowledging all of those contributions. So you're, you'll be marking the centenary of the, well, it's the centenary of the minute silence this year. Um, how do you see the next hundred years evolving? I mean, you know, will we, will we continue to remember as people who lived through that time are no longer with us? Um, you know, how, how do you see that evolving and why will it be important to continue? So, so you're right. Um, the generation of the Second World War are, are sadly um, ageing and, and dwindling, although there are still many of them here, our Queen being one of them. But um, if you go to our Armed Forces uh, Memorial at the National um, Memorial Arboretum, you will see that in almost every year since 1945, names are still being engraved on that wall and we are still losing service personnel so we still and they are still going out on our behalf um i had the privilege of watching the uh, videos that are going to be shown at the festival on saturday evening uh, for the for the broadcast on bbc one um at 9 p.m and um i um we we there was an incredible uh, piece um about raf rfa sorry mounts bay um, which was a humanitarian relief operation that went out um, on the back of Hurricane Dorian in the Bahamas. And just to see some of this footage of that devastation and to understand how quickly um, our armed forces were able to respond and the assistance that they were able to give. So um, these incredible sort of packets of water and supplies that ensured that, um, you know, disease wasn't spread and building materials and forklift trucks and wood so that people could start rebuilding their lives. It's, it's just quite extraordinary. And I don't know if you remember um, earlier in the year in August where um, I certainly was sort of held gripped by the news of the um, the dam in Derby and the um, the evacuation of, um, I think, almost 1,500 people from the local area for the fear that the dam was going to burst. 
and how involved the armed forces and particularly the RF, uh, the, the RAF were in that operation. You just remember that actually they, they are doing so much all the time in so many ways um, for, for, for the benefit of the country or stepping in when there is an emergency. And um, I think as a country, we are, we are better for having that. I think one of the things over the last five years since the kind of major, um, you know, the centenaries of the various different stages of um, the First World War is that the remembrance has become really um, creative and artistic and beautiful and um, various different shared experiences you know so many different um, different things like that's so the first one that I remember which I think it was probably before things had really started and it had started to collect the, uh, gather the collective imagination if you like was to encourage people to um, kind of turn their lights out and leave a candle in the window I think that was possibly for the the day that war was declared possibly the, the centenary of that so was that one was obviously the the massive um, poppy field that was created around the Tower of London which was you know unforgettable incredible and uh, anybody that didn't see it um, and is listening to this will probably have seen the pictures of the various members of the royal family you know walking among that those poppies which was so phenomenal and then you know later the Tower of London became a there was the kind of the festival of, of light around it with the candles placed there instead um we've had and then the the one that i kind of had the most personal experience with was when they were the flash mobs of people who were dressed up as as soldiers who were kind of walking around like you know in their in their first world war uniforms and in their and singing so i walked through waterloo station turned around a corner and then suddenly there was there was this kind of troop of men wearing wearing uniform wearing their hats carrying their you know carrying their guns and singing a, a song from the like a really haunting song actually from um from that time and they were also handing out um like business card sized pieces of paper which just had the name of um, of a soldier that died um, during, I think that one was for the Somme. And it's just these, you know, these moments of collective experience, collective remembrance, um, and just being really, really special. You know, it, remembrance is evolving, I think. I, I, <coughs> I absolutely agree. And I think, I think it has to evolve. And... Um, Every one of those things that that you described was utterly beautiful and and extraordinary and emotional, weren't they? They they connected with you. You had that moment the, the, when you realised that each one of those poppies, as you watched it build, was was a man's life. It 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 it's just incredibly powerful and it takes your breath away. And I remember going up there myself. Um, I had a, had a pram at the time, and it was impossible to even get sort of within a quarter of a mile of it, there were so many people that had come to see it. But it was just extraordinary. Um, and there's something in um, the, the collectiveness, though, isn't it? It was that it was amazing to see it on the television. And although I couldn't get that close because there were so many people, it was being with all those people and us acknowledging together. And I think that's one of the things that's so important about remembrance and about the... It's the, whether it's the village, whether it's the town, or whether you're at the cenotaph in London, it's that that you're in a community and you're, you, we are coming together as a country and as a people to acknowledge that service and sacrifice. And there's something very powerful in us being in a group of people rather than just 
when you're on your own. Um, and absolutely, we, we are very keen and, and, and constantly exploring ways in which we can open up remembrance so that it feels relevant and appropriate for the next generation without taking anything away from the two-minute silence. But, you know, many different people have many different ways of, of, of expressing their thoughts and their feelings. And the arts are and music are incredibly powerful um, routes to this. And we saw it after the First World War with literature, with music. People create incredible works. You know, Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, which is is a sort of huge, um, hugely successful and hugely popular uh, set of books today and, and indeed films. You know, it came out of those experiences of the First World War. So there are many, many different ways to connect and explore those experiences. And I think it's really important that we can be as open to those as possible. I'm at the moment uh, working on a project which will um, be created next year at the National Memorial Arboretum, where we're planting a remembrance glade and all of the, the plants and trees that we are putting in the space have symbolism around remembrance. So it's it's a more subtle message, but it's just about creating a sort of natural, contemplative place that people can go and remember or think and and be, and and using sort of nature to represent some of those um, symbols of honour and service and sacrifice and. We've evolved as a society, so you know, remembrance needs to evolve with that. And and I think if we are going to keep engaging people with it, it's got to feel like something that they can engage with. Um, I must actually recommend to our listeners that they do go to the National Memorial Arboretum. I went there in March with my husband. We were on our way to um, Blackpool because he'd bought me uh, he'd bought me an afternoon tea and going dancing in the Blackpool Tower because I'm a massive Strictly Come Dancing fan. Um, <laughs> and he is, um, he, you know, he's he's really into he, he's really in, interested in um, in military type things um, among many other things. But he's really interested in military. We we're on a recent um, trip around New England and we spotted a submarine by the side of the road no kidding outside um portland i think so we went to visit that anyway um on the way up to blackpool looking at the map you know it national memorial arboretum was was kind of on the way it's there aren't that many places really where it's on the way to you have to kind of make a bit of a, a detour but it is so worth going there it's really beautiful different kinds of sculptures and different all the various different organizations and different stories and just a really nice space to spend to spend time work walking around so i uh, I don't actually even know how to say the name of the place because it's spelt quite... Co- is it Arwas? Arwas? Oh, it's Staffordshire. It's, it's easiest. Staffordshire is definitely easiest. Just off the <laughs> M6 toll. Um, but yes, look it up. Do go do go visit if you if you can or if you're vaguely in the neighbourhood. It is well worth a bit of a detour. Um, so how finally, just wrapping up, how would you encourage our listeners to remember over the course of the new, next few days? Oh, well, there's just one thing that I've got to, it's a slight spoiler alert, but you, you have mentioned that you're a big Strictly fan. So I would definitely recommend watching on Saturday night, the Festival of Remembrance at 9pm on BBC One, because I think you're in for a treat. Um, so if I could just get that in there. Absolutely, um, I will be watching. We've got this um, lovely uh, video called Pause to Remember, which just explains 
why remembrance is still re relevant today. And we would just really ask people to take that moment, either on Sunday and join us with the two-minute silence at 11 o'clock on the 10th, or on Monday morning when you're in your office, in your school, just to join with your colleagues and take a moment to acknowledge and remember the ongoing service and sacrifice of our armed forces, past and present. Thank you. So, yeah, no, we we definitely do that here at the Mirror. There's always an announcement over the tannoy to, to let people know that it's the Minute Silence and our social media team are very hot on sending the emails around to say just pause, respect, respect this time and respect this space because it is important to it is important to remember. So, Catherine, thank you so much for joining us. It's been fantastic um, to talk to you and really, really fascinating. And um, I hope we might might perhaps be able to talk um, again in the future about, about other projects. But wishing you all the best um, for this weekend. And uh, listeners, we will be back uh, next week with our kind of a, a usual catch-up of what the Royals have been up to. I know we've had a, a couple of different episodes the last couple of weeks, but I think we'll, we'll get Russell back on next week and Zoe and chat about uh, all of the latest royal visits and gossip. But until next time... Pod save the Queen!